like them dark and dusty drapes Let in some light Help Bill Boy come and get my trunk Cause I'm leaving here Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Meryl Streep and the Movies with Zachary Scott Johnson and Meryl McNally. I'm Zachary Scott Johnson. You may have noticed that if you subscribe to this show, which I certainly hope you do, you actually have two episodes of this show waiting for you this morning. Meryl and I did our review of the film Before and After, and we put that up as an episode, and we had the pleasure of talking to one of the stars from that movie, Julia Weldon. And so our interview was so much fun, we didn't want to edit it down to just a little piece of it, and we also didn't want to give you an episode that would go on for two hours, so we decided to uh, use the interview as its own episode. We really hope you enjoy it. I couldn't more highly recommend that you check out Julia Weldon's website. JuliaWeldon.com will get you there. Check her out on Facebook, Instagram, all social media. Uh, I want to thank her again so much for doing this interview. It was a lot of fun. As always, please feel free to rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. We really appreciate that. Check out Meryl's Theater Company at NeverlandTheater.org. And check out my music project, The Song A Day Project, all one word squished together on YouTube, or search my name, Zachary Scott Johnson. You can email us at MeryllStreetPodcast at gmail.com, and we'd love to hear from you. We're ready to start the show. Julia, thank you so much for doing this. This is um, this is really exciting for us to actually talk to somebody who's so been exciting. in a movie with Meryl Streep. We can't wait to chat with you uh, about it. Yeah, I'm very excited to be uh, speaking with you guys about it. It's a crazy part of my history and my current life, kind of. So it's like really cool. I guess this is the kind of the first Meryl Streep-focused interview I've done maybe ever in my adult life. So really. That's kind of impressive. I would think people would be asking you the Meryl Streep question all the time. Do you not get the Meryl Streep question oh, all they, the time? No, I. Oh, I get the Meryl Streep question all the time, but it's just not in a formal, uh, a formal setting, I guess. Where I'm like, um, no, no, it's definitely something that I get all the time. It's when people figure it out, they're like, wait, what? And then they ask me a million questions, or are just totally in shock. Um, it's. I mean, I think that when I was cast in the film, my, you know, my family was like what is happening <laughs> she's like one of the most amazing actresses ever right um so it's it's really shaped shaped a lot of things for me and she's just uh, a very beloved person in the world so it's, it's very special that i got to um work with her yeah absolutely how how old were you when you were cast in the film i was very young we're talking like 20 plus years ago so i was actually uh 11 years old I turned wow. 12 on the set, actually. Wow. Oh. Uh, did, did it have an occasion that's, for you? Did you get to have your like yeah, birthday party yeah. on set? That's like a, <laughs> yeah, that's like a whole thing, actually. Um, I don't know. I have so many stories. You know, it was like, it was only like three months of my life. Um, everything is just like so uh, marked by these little anecdotes and moments. And she really is an incredible person. And as were like the other people in the film, um, um, so, <clears throat> um, for my 12th birthday, she actually, my mom invited her to, like, my favorite restaurant uh, in the, in the 
it, we were filming in the Berkshires, and my mom invited her and Liam Neeson to my birthday, and they both fucking came. Oh my god! <laughs> yeah, how so that was, real? So that was kind of yeah, like. And my aunt in California was upset, so Liam Neeson on the phone with her, you know, like, and it was like our favorite restaurant. It's funny because I just, I have like a million photos, and I have, I'll send you guys photos. Like the, I actually just had to make photocopies of, uh, like a still photo from the film to send out for my Kickstarter reward. But right, yeah, I, but I have like a full album that my mom made, and you know, reviews. I'll send you guys some stuff if you want. I can take some 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 photos and just send but it's like a beautiful album of these like little moments um so one of the things that happened was yeah she gave me my first um you guys will appreciate this she gave me my first disc ma'am oh yeah um, oh. Uh, oh yeah and she and she fucking gave me the best cd she like shaped my first like you know it's kind of weird because i started playing guitar maybe like a year after the film uh-huh. And okay. and now I'm like and now I'm a singer songwriter and musician and yeah. you know she gave me the Annie Lennox CD and it's like oh wow her, yeah like what like mind blown actually I forget what else she gave me because that one kind of just sticks out but she gave me like six CDs and a disc man for my birthday and Liam Neeson gave me like a locket that said like two J love L like a Tiffany's heart locket wow. <laughs> That's amazing. Yeah, so it's kind of crazy. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Um, so I, sorry, I could like ramble forever because I'm an annoying actor. So you should probably stop me before I keep going. But yeah, it was a really special birthday to say the least. That's exactly <laughs> what we want you to do. That story That's is exactly amazing. Right. <laughs> I actually have often wondered what Meryl Streep's musical taste is. I'm a singer-songwriter, too. That's actually my primary thing, just like you. And, right, yeah, uh, I know. And um, so I often wonder, like, where her musical, you know, where her musical influence is, because I imagine she likes a lot of the same kind of music that we do, and that's not just hoping oh, that she yeah. does. I really, like, have, <laughs> you know, through the years, through various interviews and things, picked up on little hints of who she likes and I really do think she's got really good music taste <laughs> oh yeah totally and now you have proof I'll try to remember the other the other CD she gave me but the fact that she even like yeah the Annie Lennox I just remember crying in my bed I was so I mean it was such an intense experience and so we had like a we had like a two week break and you know these people became like my family I mean, like, child actors are all fucked up for all sorts of reasons. Can I curse on this podcast? Yep, you can curse as yeah. much as you want. Great. <laughs> so, you know, we're, we're all messed up for a lot of different reasons, but, you know, I've made it through okay. You know, I'm okay. I'm still, you know, I'm still here and doing my thing, and I've turned, like, these crazy experiences and intense experiences as being a child actor where you're, like, emoting all the time and you're giving all this crazy amounts of, like, positive feedback and working with Meryl Streep and... Um, you know, I've turned them, been able to turn that into something awesome in my adult life and also continue to act now. So that's cool. Um, it kind of comes in and out of my life. But she um, she was such an intense, you know, part of that experience. But the whole thing in itself for an 11-year-old, I think, to be on set for two months and juggling tutoring and everything. It was just, like, really intense yeah. and beautiful experience to, like, be able to be in a, in a feature-length major motion picture but I left I remember leaving and going on a break and listening to Annie Lennox and listening to like you know there's like the walking on broken glass yep. and then there's like, <laughs> there's like <laughs> so I was like this yep. is amazing like I had never heard anything like that I think maybe I had like Mariah Carey first cassette tape but 
And then, you know, but then I remember listening to like, what? And like crying because I was like, oh yeah, I miss my, my like mom, who is this person who's kind of, she kind of like was my mom. Yeah. She's a mom, you know? Yeah. Oh gosh. She's very nurturing. Yeah. She's so nurturing and like amazing. So it must be interesting. I, I, I need to listen to um, the other podcasts you guys have done because uh, I would be so curious what other people's um, impressions are of her. You know, as a kid, it was like she was like my surrogate mother for like two months and she really, you know, she missed her kids too. So she really, you know, we had a special thing there, I think, because she she missed being a mom in some ways, right? Yeah. She was with. Were her kids not on the set at all? Oh, actually, now that I'm thinking about it, her kids, she was actually, her and Liam Neeson, I think, were actually both commuting to the Berkshires. So, it's not that she missed being a mom, but, you know. It's a long just, day like, away. Fell yeah. right into that. Yeah. Yeah, and, and also, I remember her talking about um, the other kid she had just worked with in River, the River Wild, Joey Mazzoli or something. Yep. Um, yes. And she, yeah, I remember her talking about him on set, actually, um, and... I think she had a lot of feelings about, like, she kept her kids from acting for a long time, and now I know that Mamie's had a lot of success, and I think Grace, I went to college with Grace, actually, and I don't know, I think that she had a lot of feelings about her kids not being in the industry. I think she had a lot of feelings about child acting, you know? Yeah. Um, How did you get started in acting, Julia? <clears throat> yeah, um, so I, I got, it was back in the day when, like, reality TV wasn't a thing, and I got <laughs> kind of picked up. It's like, you know, it's not like every single kid and their mother and their brother were trying to do it. It's just, like, crazy right now. Um, I think in the industry, it's just really inundated with all of us actor people. Um, mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's evening out. A, I think it's evening out a little bit, maybe, but it was still back in the day where, like, this person in town was a manager and a pre- previously had been a manager, and she saw me in a play and I took like I was taking like an acting class but only because I was like an outgoing kid that wanted to do this acting class with my best friend and I she kind of just asked my mom if we had ever considered doing commercials my mom was like no and then uh, she (laughs) sent me to uh, my mom was like what uh yeah and then I was just like one of those kids that kind of I think we were outgoing and then I went to be the I went to the city and we grew up I was born in Brooklyn, raised in Jersey. And um, so we went to this meeting with this agent at Jordan Gill, Jordan Gill and Dornbaum. And then they just, she said, look, like, you know, she's outgoing. She's, um, she can talk to adults and just get her some headshots and we'll start sending her out. And then my mom was like, sure, we'll try this for six months. It won't go anywhere. And then I got uh, a <laughs> in Indy. <laughs> yeah, my mom was like, eh, we'll just give it a try. You know, she's you know, she's like a realistic woman. I'll just say that. <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> whatever that means. And then she, uh, and then I got, I booked a part in an indie film, uh, my fourth audition. And then, um, and then before and after came like a year later, which is crazy. Wow. Like, you know, I think, yeah. So it, I kind of was thrust into it. In a, and then the crazy part about the whole audition process for before and after is that because I was unknown, I was totally unknown, and this film was, you know, Meryl Streep, Liam Neeson, and Eddie Furlong, and Alfred Molina, who didn't really have as much of a name then, but, you right. know, John Hurt. Um, there were a lot of, like, side roles that were even people that were really well-known already, and 
Um, so they had me audition. They had me read in front of the producer that day. And then they called me back. And then I think I went through like three rounds of three, like a couple more rounds of callbacks. And then they had me even do like a, like a reading for the, like they had me meet, yeah, they had me like meet everybody before they told me that I had the part. Because I think they, honestly, I think it was like, I had to be like Meryl approved. That's what my mom thinks. They had like this fancy, (laughs) uh, this fancy reading around a table with everybody there. And, you know, and we, you know, we clicked right away because I was like 11 and I was just like, hey, what's up? She was like, great. You know, I mean, <laughs> right. <laughs> like, she's good. <laughs> We're good. Yeah. She was like, she's, she's, a, she's a real child. Great. You know, and um, and then I think we found out like a week after that. And uh, it was just a, the point is it was a really long process. And then I did a couple on orders. I did an off Broadway play and then I went to college and then I yeah. got back into it. Yeah, I just kind of like was like, okay, I've done some really amazing work as a professional actor, and I want to go be a hippie and and go to Vassar <laughs> and uh, smoke cigarettes and drink too much and be a normal college student and study philosophy, and I did exactly that. <laughs> well, amazing. And you went to Vassar, which is the same place Meryl went. Was that an influence from her? Yes, which is so weird. It's so weird, yeah. Um, so that's like, yeah, it's... It's always like a funny, that's always a funny little coincidence. And then her, her, like I said, her daughter ended up going there and I talked to her. I remember my senior year, her freshman year, I was like, I know that you won't believe me, but I was in a movie with your mom and we partied at the rap party in Florida and we knocked over a $2,000 sculpture. And she was like, what? And I was like, yep. Um, but <laughs> wait, you knocked it over with Meryl or with her daughter? With her daughter, but, um. <laughs> It was an accident, but we were, we were, like, the only kids running around this rap party, and my mom and Meryl, like, talked all night, and she's just so down to earth. Like, she talked to my mom the entire rap party. Wow. Amazing. In regards to this movie, you know, because you were so young when you made it, did you have a sense of, you know, Meryl Streep and Liam Neeson as these giant movie stars, or was that the reason that you were kind of able to be cool is that you didn't really know who they were i think that any kid would be like yeah i know who they are but my mom and dad were like my dad didn't want to like my dad like didn't even want me to get in the film industry he's a very he was very like kind of like waspy my mom's like like a jewish mom my dad's like a waspy dad he you know i think you're i think that i think that they they expressed to me it was a big deal, but I think that, yeah, because I was I was so young and kind of really just like kind of like an outgoing, like meet anyone kid. I don't think, and I, I was kind of, I was not like unaware, but uh, developmentally, like I don't know what kid would be like totally aware of how big these stars were. Um, I didn't, I didn't know. I don't think I knew. I think it was kind of like, I was a little bit just like, here we go, gonna go, you know, read some lines, gonna be like, really fun and then I you know right well and I think to be honest that's why I did so well like I think I watched kid, kid actors and it's so like they're not trying they're, they're it's so effortless right um yeah for the ones that are that are not pushed into it that are not forced to do it that are you know like Jacob uh his name the kid that was in the room yeah Tremblay yeah I mean he was just like so his performance was just priceless you know and the, the the movie as you know it's not Meryl Streep's like number one well-known movie <laughs> sure yeah <laughs> so I mean I like it I'm biased but 
I also there were a lot of issues with the script and the direction and uh, between I think the director and Meryl Streep and Liam Neeson a little gossip there um, just like the, the like stylistically there were a lot of like there were like a little bit of yep. conflict I think um, and, yeah. and the script itself but Ted Talley wrote which he wrote he freaking wrote Sounds of the Lambs right and right then he adapted it was just like incredible and then he adapted this from uh, Roselle Brown I think her book and um, something about the script I think is where where they lost something you know yeah it's um, and so it was a hard film to make yeah it's interesting to hear you say that we actually we recorded our review of this movie already and it's one of those things where um it, we were probably a little bit harder on this movie than any of the other ones, although it was before we knew we were talking to you, so you didn't paint our opinion of it at all, and you were the thing we thought was best about this movie. We kind of agreed on that. <laughs> True story. Um, yeah. Oh my god, that's so that's so freaking sweet, and thank you so much. And that's, that's kind of, like, I didn't want to, like, I'm not, like, trying, like, it's kind of like a, a humble brag, right? But I think that the reason that people notice me in this film and that I get, I like, I'll send you a photo of all the reviews, the clippings, um, or maybe you've seen them, but, uh, you know, I think that it's interesting how kid actors can be a little bit like, uh, oblivious to all the dynamics going around and just do their job. Like, I right. think that I just was, I was kind of like excited to just do my job you know, crying was difficult at that age when I didn't really have a lot of acting experience. I remember Meryl Streep helping me, which is probably something you would want to hear gossip about. She, like, actually helped me with some of the acting stuff that I was too too young to understand or too young to get it. And um, and she was incredible. Like, at that, at that kind of, like, working with her was incredible. And I think really shaped a lot of how I... How I feel about acting just in those in that short amount of time she rubbed off on me and I saw just watching her work was obviously kind of incredible I'll never forget um how she prepared how she you know looked how she I don't know you know it's like I, the memories are probably a little bit blurry now but she was just incredible to just watch um I think maybe she's the reason that I was so good in the film right um hmm. I think I I'm having this like weird feeling right now that I've never even thought about, but <clears throat> not just watching her, but I think that I copied what she was doing maybe. Interesting. Sure. Um, yeah. I might've like yeah. mimicked what she was doing. Cause we went, we had a lot of scenes that were kind of intimate and close and I was nervous. I remember being nervous cause once I was on set, I think I did. I think like throughout the movie, I started to realize, Oh, this is kind of a big deal what I'm doing right now. Right. Um, so, yeah. you know, I might have started to feel a little more nervous around her and pick up on some of, you know, in my nervousness kind of said like, okay, how do I act like an actor? Like, what do I do to impress her and make her happy? Or, you know, and maybe I just kind of did what she did. <laughs> I don't know. Interesting. Yeah. You know, when we, when we watched the film, I mean, we sort of speculated that there were script and director issues. And it was interesting because you could, I had never seen it before when I when I watched it. I knew I knew it was out there. Mm-hmm. So it was my first experience watching mm-hmm. it, and um, um, you could uh, at least I got the sense of everyone's stress, except yeah. except you. <laughs> like you sort of, I mean, it just sort of seemed like you were transcending that. And then your scenes, oh. your scenes with Meryl in particular, were the strongest in the film. I think. 
Um, and oh, I, so nice. I imagine you. it must have been that bond between you two that was coming yeah, through. But yeah, it's great. Thank you so much. That's like so sweet. And, you know, I haven't seen it in a very long time, but, um, <clears throat> but I know that people like it better as a renter. It just didn't really do as well as it, it should have with all those stars at the box office and, 1996 when like Liam Neeson was at the he was just like peaking I think or you know blowing up right from Schindler's List um right and yeah there was so much tension I I mean there's a photo that I have of Liam Neeson staring down on Barbara Schroeder and being like what like what are you talking about why do you want me to play it that way and <laughs> and Meryl Streep is just braiding my hair and I'm just smiling I'm just beaming I'm like, I think that's like, that's amazing. Me well, yeah, but actually, I can't send it while I'm on the phone, but um, I'd love to like, you know, talk. I'd love to just talk to you guys basically all night over. Last night, but <laughs> we would, we um, would love that too. I know, I wish we could. I, You're in Minnesota right now, right, Zach? Yes, I'm in Minnesota, yes. And are you there like permanently or? Yeah, I live in the Twin Cities. Okay, well, I'll just have to come do a tour there then. You should. I mean, I'd love to open for you. We'll talk about it. And Meryl, where are you? I'm in Roswell, New Mexico. Oh my God, this is like crazy. (laughs) Look at this. Where the aliens are. Yeah, I get it all happen. Where the aliens are. I would love to visit you there. Oh my God. Um, Oh yeah. So, wait, I didn't mean to interrupt. So we were talking about, yeah, the film is... I'm so curious to, you know, I can't wait to hear the rest of, so you, are you going to do a review on the podcast and then edit this together or something? Or? I think we'll do it as its own episode, probably, if you're cool with that. I think we'll just kind of put it up as a as a bonus thing for people who are curious on that, because our episodes tend to skew long anyway. We tend to be over an hour just the review, so I feel like if we add in another, you know, half hour, 45 minute interview, it might be we'll lose people at some point. So I think yeah. we'll do separate if you're okay with that. Um, one oh, of th- that's totally fine. And you will edit me saying stuff like this, right? <laughs> oh, sure. Sure. But I I, I like <laughs> okay. the naturalness um, of it. But yeah, the film, I, oh, I'm glad you do. I, I just did another one for my album and I was like, was that okay? She was like, don't worry, I'll take 10 minutes and turn it into three. And I was like, great, because I ran well oh. But yeah, no, I'm so curious to hear what you guys, the review of the film, because there was, it was just, I think mostly it was the script, and then the director, this Barbara Schroeder, kind of, everyone was, he was telling everyone, like, hold back everything, I think, and from what I remember, you know, and I think um, Liam Neeson was also, he's also a stage actor, and uh, I mean, you know, my mom always jokes that, like, there's no way that Scrum, like, X for Long would be, like, Liam Neeson's son. <laughs> well, that, the... <laughs> The ups and downs of this movie are so quick. I don't know. Like you said, if you haven't watched it in a while, it would be interesting to go back and revisit. But I mean, like in one scene, he'll be silent and not speaking to anybody. And then the next scene, he'll be sitting around a dinner table, like unburdening everything, including talking about how cool he thinks his parents are and and how much he and his girlfriend are having sex. You know, like it just doesn't seem like a very realistic representation of a real person because it's just from one scene to the next there's no consistency in that character um where the rest of the characters i think are pretty consistent but his character wasn't um so one of the things i was most curious about because again i know we have you for a slightly limited time here but this is i think the one movie where meryl streep has kind of publicly had she's she said some pretty negative things about the director she she talked about how frustrated she found the experience oh, to wait, be she, ha- 
she has? Yes, she did. She she did this interview. Wait, if, where? I've never been. I didn't. It's I on, know. I had never heard either. Zach found it. it it's on YouTube. That's if you. So great! I can't wait to hear it. It's it's a really long interview. In 2000, she did um, there at the 92nd Street Y in New York City. They do this kind of interesting wow. series where they show certain movies and then they do an interview with one of the stars. So Meryl's actually done this a couple of times. But in the year 2000, she did one um, and it was a 10-year retrospective of the movie Postcards from the Edge. So a lot of the interview is centered around that movie. But at some point, the audience asks questions and somebody asks her because it was at that point fairly recent why before and after hadn't done very well. And she's she talked about she said she had a theory about it and that she didn't like how the director, I don't even want to say his name because I'm going to say it wrong, but it's Barbe, right? Yeah, Barbe Schroeder, yeah. So she didn't like how he directed and said that he sucked the life out of the movie from her perspective because he had this... Oh, I'm so... Yeah, I mean, that's kind of what I'm saying. Like, she, I think that she the whole time, like, Liam and her just felt so frustrated that he was... There was a lot to work with, and he, I think he, they felt restricted by whatever, you know, I was so young, but I think that they felt restricted and constrained by his directing, like, and, and thereby, like, yeah, I think that they, that makes so much sense that she said that. I mean, and it's like, yeah, he was a weird director, I think. I don't really know what the choice there was, and I, you know, now that you're talking about those quick transitions. It does. It goes from like zero to seventy or whatever the zero to sixty. Yeah. And like so quickly, and also like I'm thinking about the music and the running. And, you know, it's a lot about like the cinema. Like, I think it's like a lot of different. It's hard to know what makes a movie not work, um, like perfectly, right? I mean, I don't think it's a terrible movie. I think that you can get into it on a plane or like a renter, but it was very like. Some of the reviews were fine, but some of them were, like, really negative when it came out. And I think that, I don't know what, you know, there's a, there's a lot of different moving parts. I remember the cinematographer, but, you know, there was a, like, the, it could have been the cinematography. It could have been the editing. You know, Howard Shore does, does music for, like, every huge film, and he did the music. But music in the film, like, I remember coming in, it's like everything happened so quickly. And, like, yeah, I don't know. It's a very melodramatic uh, but that's score. So interesting. Yeah. Yes, yeah, very melodramatic. But that's kind of what he does. But right. Like Howard Shore. Like. Yeah. But in other films, it works. So like, why didn't it land? Like, why didn't it feel emotionally tied? And uh, yeah, I, just to give you a really funny anecdote, there was one one scene, the scene where before I freak out and have my freak out by the sculpture, which is a whole <laughs> other story because I couldn't. I was three in the morning and I was a child, so I couldn't get any of my lines right because I was like insisted on not sleeping or I couldn't fall asleep because I wasn't used to falling asleep. And then they were like calling me to set at midnight and my mom was trying to get me to sleep or my guardian or whatever. And this is a good story. So I couldn't get my lines right over and over again. And then I, I, I was so upset because I was usually really good at this and I couldn't understand why my baby brain was so tired and that's why I couldn't remember the lines. And I ran away from that and Meryl Streep like followed me she's she's the one that came after me and she put her arm around me and walked me in circles away from everybody for like five minutes ten minutes and we went over the lines over and over again and I came back and I nailed it in one take wow oh that's amazing 
isn't that sweet? So, so she just like, she's the one that like, she's the one that ran after me and helped me that night. And, but just to get, give you a really funny story. So <clears throat> during the scene before that, we're, we're at the dinner table and, uh, someone throws a rock through the window and we all run outside <laughs> and it's like, yeah. So during that scene, we're all like cracking up and goofing off. <laughs> like during the filming of it. Right. Because the script is so the script is so melodramatic and so bad. It's like <laughs> Ben, no. Dad, wait. Like I think that's the actual lines because it's ingrained in my my brain. And so the whole time that we're we're eating pretend eating dinner, you can go back and watch that and enjoy that we're cracking up trying to hold our laughter and then like the rock goes through they're like the rock goes through the window and Meryl Streep and Liam Neeson and we were just like cracking up and just you know, pretending <laughs> you're just saying the lines really melodramatically. I remember. Anyway, <laughs> so everybody at that point sort of knew the jig was up. <laughs> yeah, that that's exactly what it is. It was at the end of the two month shoot. We did like a two month shoot, and then I think we went down to Florida for the. There were like a couple of different like reshoots in Florida, and then in Hack in Jersey actually, but. Uh, that that was yeah that was I think the end of the Berkshires saga and it was kind of like the jig was up and they just we were just goofing off and being like this sucks like this is silly but, um, I mean honestly like it didn't suck for me I didn't know what was going on but I was like yeah you know, it's just so having fun so funny um having fun just having fun with it yeah they definitely didn't like the way it turned out and that's right that's it's such a funny thing to be a part of the the Meryl Streep film that she, she, you know, because of the direction or whatever, like she didn't love, love it. Um, yeah. Well, I likened it in our review to, because Meryl and I met in college, we were both acting majors and I likened it to sometimes you're in a play that you know, isn't great. And there's just nothing you can do about it. Like no matter how hard you try, you can't fix it. Mm -hmm. And it might have been that sort of situation for the two of them where they knew like no matter how hard and mm -hmm. th truly the movie does not it's it's not any of the actors fault by by any stretch. <laughs> Although, again, I agree with you completely that Eddie Furlong is miscast in this movie. Um, he's just so low energy yeah. in this movie. And I think that's a weird contrast. Yeah, there's nothing going on. Yeah. It's weird, it's, weird. Yeah. It's a weird contrast, especially to Liam Neeson, who had so much energy in it and was kind of like explosive. And so like just it was like anything at any moment could set him off, which kind of worked for the part. I think it, mm -hmm. it really worked for the direction the script was taking. I just found that to be a little bit unrealistic as a real, like I, I think the other thing about this movie is like the whole situation is preventable in a weird way. Like it's, it's a kind of story where like had Eddie Furlong's character just explained to the police in the same way he explained to his parents what had actually happened. Like that kid wouldn't have gone to jail. You know what I mean? And it, it's just, mm -hmm. The whole movie is kind of based on this idea that it it's kind of the whole thing was preventable. <laughs> it's a strange concept. Yeah, yeah. But, the whole the, the concept itself is like something I don't really like. I don't like think about that much. So it's funny to think about it. But yeah, it's, he's like like that fucking scene in the cell at the end. Yep. It's so weird. Yeah. It's so weird. Uh, it's just very strange. And <laughs> and that might be that might be like who decided that this story. You know, like, there are parts of the story that might have actually been more interesting to explore that I know they took out. Like, actually, the, the relationship between the brother and sister is actually, like, more intense. And they also, in the book, show 
how he has a violent past. Oh. And so it's like, it's almost like, it's almost, yeah, in the book, he has like a violent past where he's like hurting animals or something. So it's like, that's kind of important. Yeah, it's kind of important. To, and like, it's almost like they didn't, I don't think, I really do think that like something, there was some sort of disconnect between, you know, book and script and script and director and director and actor. And like, that chain was just, kind of broken, like slightly broken at every step of the way, maybe, and that's what, yeah, that's what led to, like, the, the you know, the weird outcome of, like, this is not a terrible movie, but it's not great, right? Right. That's <laughs> right. kind of where we yeah. landed in our review, actually. That's nicely summed yeah. up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'm glad, I'm glad you think that I didn't ruin the movie. You're like, Julie <laughs> Walden, on our podcast, we wanted to call you up here to tell you that... <laughs> you ruined the movie for Meryl Streep. You ruined Meryl Streep. Well, I think, I mean, even Roger Ebert was like, yeah, Julia Weldon. <laughs> got this. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm not going to lie. That's like, that's like not the worst review to get from Ebert. We were like, I think no. my parents were definitely like, what the fuck is going on? Like, you got a better review than anyone in the movie from the New York Times. It doesn't make any sense. It's amazing. Yeah, it's really cool. Did this lead to, I mean, I know you did Law and & Order and Law and & Order SVU, but like after this movie came out, what was your life like in terms of acting? Did you get a lot of attention and acclaim right after this? Also, what was your, what was it like to be a teenager socially who was in a movie with giant stars? I mean, was that weird for you among your friends yeah. and peer group? It was so weird, yeah. I mean, not like immediately. Um, I had like a pretty solid... Um, group of best friends in middle school and I think I was really like luckily I had parents that didn't send me out for commercials every two seconds and you know they wanted to maintain some sort of like normalcy and to this day I both like love and hate that because they didn't let me go up for any commercials where I, I could have been like booking commercials and paying for college and you know um, with like that money and stuff but they I went out for a lot of indie projects, and to be honest, you know, me and Scarlett Johansson were, like, going out for some of the same stuff, and Natalie Portman, like, a tiny bit. I think she's a little older than me, but I, I ran in some, like, pretty um, amazing circles of, like, younger actors back then, um, but to be honest, like, I think that Scarlett Johansson, like, in Manny and Low, it's, like, this indie film, like, she started super, like, tomboyish, and I, I was that, you know... I wasn't going out for, like, every single ingenue role when I was, like, in middle school and definitely not high school. Um, but I went out for, like, a lot of roles, and I got a lot of really, really good feedback. Um, and I I definitely, like, whenever I went to an audition, I think right after that, it definitely, like, I was on all these casting directors' radars. And I think, you know, I don't remember back then, like, much besides just going out, but I did go out for a lot of stuff, and... Um, I booked a lot of stuff, and uh, it went, you know, things went well, but the whole point of that is that I think that I never, like, I am I consider myself, like, gay, like, sometimes trans, gender nonconforming, um, <clears throat> gender queer, gender nonconforming, all these things, and so it's interesting, because I think I just never really, I never really graduated from the tomboy look, and that really hindered my ability to, like, to get certain roles going forward because once you're after like once you're like 14 or 15 they expect you to look like a pretty high school girl right and I you know that to be honest my sexuality and my gender like really shaped my career from there on out I think 
And um, so I still got, like, really amazing roles. And I, I did um, the Beth Henley play off-Broadway with Carol Kane, and Ulu Grosbard directed it. Um, oh, so wow. that was incredible. Amy Ryan, Amy Ryan was actually in the first version of that, and then she uh, had to back out because she got some film. But that was, like, really a long time ago before she was a huge deal. Um, so... You know, I did so I did this Beth Henley play Family Week, and that was an incredible experience. I mean, high school was like a weird time because it was like I was still having some amounts of success, but and I was scouted by agents in LA, and then you know I decided to go to college. And honestly, I know people from that time period in my life where it, that went to LA and didn't go to college or didn't have other things like the whole thing. Like my whole high school life, like I played volleyball, like. I started writing songs. Like I had a very well-rounded life, and I think that was important to me and my parents. Did it hinder my ability to like blow up in high school? Probably, but would I have been better for it or worse? Like you know, it's hard to say. It's kind of like there's all these alternative paths. The one thing that, the one moment that I think was a turning point in my career was that I was being like heavily considered for um, Six Feet Under. Oh wow! Play Claire. Wow, um, I love that show. And like, I know. And Lauren Ambrose is so that was like yeah, it was nineteen ninety eight or nine or something. And Lauren Ambrose is, um, Lauren Ambrose is incredible in that role. Yeah. L- Lauren Ambrose is actually incredible in that role. And to be honest, she was twenty. She was like she and I were in the same Law and Order episode. She is. 20 she was like 23 and I was like 17 I mean she just had the life experience to play like sardonic and cynical and Alan Ball like whatever you know so I auditioned for I had a callback for him and I think it was between me and her and maybe like one other person and if I had gotten that role I would have been on six feet under for the next seven years of my life right so it's like so crazy it's so crazy how like just like something like that can be so small. I'm kind of back in that position where I'm getting cast in good little bit parts in TV right now because gender nonconforming roles and like queer roles are, are tipping. I think finally, like I think I thought they were tipping when I got Lawn or SV, like I stopped acting in college and then I got a call. This is crazy. I got a call just to let you know, like, sorry, I'm talking so much, but just to let you know, like how big of a deal I think the Meryl Streep movie was for me. And what it did for my career is that it's kept me, like, coming back for more. Like, um, every time I think I'm done with the career, like, my my senior year of college, I got a call from the producers of Law & Order who tracked me down because they had seen wow. the after, I think. Wow. Yeah. That's so cool. Because it, it shows on TV a lot. So, anyway, so they called and like, is Julia Wellman still acting? I come down to the city for to be to audition for the producers of... Um, to you know, I went right to a callback, which I didn't know at the time, and then I got the part. So I then, like, after four years of taking a break in college, I'm like thrust back into the acting world, and I'm like, oh, I should be acting. And then it's like I have all these, you know, the, you know, rejection, rejection. It's like, oh, I shouldn't be acting. And honestly, it <laughs> always comes <laughs> as it goes, and then it always yes. comes back to me. So it's so, so serendipitous. Yeah, and it's like this little serendipitous thing where I'm like, nope, I should just be trying to do music and whatever else I want to do, and um, and it always bites me in the ass, like in a good way, and I'm like, great, I guess I should be doing this. Like I just recently 
finally got a part on, I got a part on High Maintenance for season two, like a tiny part. Oh, nice. Uh, Yeah, and I got feedback from the casting director last week for an audition I thought I bombed. That was like, you're on hold. So it's like, it just, it's just a weird world, right? It is. Well, I yeah. think I think you have it actually is such a unique perspective, first of all. But also, I mean, you got to be in a movie with two of the giants, you know, Meryl Streep and Liam Neeson. But uh-huh. you also got uh-huh. to be a normal uh-huh. person. It's really kind of the best of both worlds uh-huh. in a lot of ways. I totally agree. Well, and like... It's so, yeah. I find it, well, I find it really interesting you talking about, um, you know, gender nonconforming and how that affected, affected your career because, um, you know, the industry is so sort of intensely conservative. Yeah, yeah, and, um, yeah, and um, I'm, it is interesting because you can see that shift happening, I think, and. I'm hoping, um, yeah, yeah, I'm hoping. yeah. Yeah, I'm going out. I'm going out for. Yeah, totally. I just got like a new agent. I'm looking to get an even better one. We'll see. Because to be honest, like with the stuff that's under my on on my resume, like not just the Meryl Streep stuff. Like there's other stuff, you know. And yeah, um, I mean not just not just before and after. There's some other stuff that it's like I have TV credits. I I have a commercial credit. You know, it's like. I, I really, I actually don't even have the time right now with, like, releasing the album, but the plan is to kind of get a better agent. But I was with um, Innovative for, like, years, and to be honest, sometimes it's better for me with the roles that I go out for to be a big fish in a small pond, which is what I'm going through now, where my agent, he's, it's like a small agency, but he gets what I do good, and he's setting me out, and I'm, I'm booking, and it's great. Um, but the industry is fucked up, and I am hoping... The point of the SVU story was that I got back into the industry and I tried so hard. This is like 2006, right after college. I tried so hard to change who I was. I grew my hair out. I tried to go out for roles that, you know, I was like, oh, I'm an actor. But you know what? Like, I am who I am. And gender is not necessarily like, like, I gender is super fluid, but it's hard to feel misgendered by the industry, like, all the time. So it's really nice to be in a place right now where I'm like, oh, look, there are finally a couple roles for me, like a couple more roles that I can submit for, whatever. And um, I'm glad that you feel like it's kind of tipping, too, hopefully, because uh, it's important for young to see themselves represented. And uh, it took me a long time to just be like, I don't have to wear a skirt to right. be an actor. <laughs> uh, <okay. laughs> And well, and maybe yeah. it's the emergence of indie indie films, the prevalence of indie films, and and yeah. um, I don't know, like, I don't know what's causing it. I'm not. I mean, I'm not sure the studios are there. I think they're being forced into diversity. Thank goodness. Yeah, um, they are. They are. Uh, but they're yeah. they're taking their sweet time. Well, and yeah. good but good TV too. Yeah. Orange is the New Black and yeah, all sorts good, of yeah, interesting yeah, you're TV. Right. I was gonna say, yeah, Orange is the New Black, Transparent. High maintenance is doing actually really incredible things. If you guys haven't seen it, yeah. Um, anyway, so it's it's a mess up world, but it's like it's really it's really painful to like love acting and not be able to do it. And so I think I had to. I think I've had a I've had a really love hate relationship with it. And I I really like because it's such a pivotal part of it was such a vital part of my life for so long. Like growing up during like while I was developing, it was so important to me. Like to be able to go and like audition and get this like adrenaline rush but also like a moat and like it was like a really creative outlet for me when I was going through a hard time in high school and it was really amazing 
And that's, I think, why, like, songwriting kind of took over at some point when I didn't mm-hmm. have enough of that fuel um, to, like, go keep going. And I was like, I need another thing. And I started writing songs. And so my songwriting is, like, super informed by taking on these, like, characters and stuff. And then I'll end on this note, but what you were saying about it also was really hard. It has been really a struggle in my life. It's been, like, I'm kind of in this beautiful, like, place where I'm finally accepting that it was just amazing that I got to work with Meryl Streep. But I will be honest, for a long time I felt like I was, like, living in my own shadow. Um, Wow. Because, like, like you said, what, what the hell do you do after you have worked with Meryl Streep and Liam Neeson in, like, a major lead role. Right. I was 11. It's, like, the first big thing I ever did, and it's, like, maybe that's the biggest thing I'll ever do, and that's okay. Yeah. But it is a little weird to start there. (laughs) Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, I bet. Well, I I will tell you that, you know, by virtue of this podcast, I've I've been exposed to your music, which is wonderful. And I'm, I'm, I'm so excited for you, and I'm so excited to get to know your music more. I uh, really appreciate your new album. And um, oh, thank you. Yeah, yeah. So I, it's really cool for us to get to sort of explore explore your work beyond the Meryl Streep movie as well. I was going to so, ask. Totally. That's great. I was going to ask, can we play part of a song, you know, either as the intro or outro to this episode? Are you cool with that? Yeah. Love to speak to both of you again. I, I, I was, have plenty of time despite our crazy schedule this week. You know what might be fun? I don't know if you have any interest in this, but would if you're up for it, why don't you do an episode with us sometime where we talk about another one of Meryl's movies? Like a different movie that you're Ooh, not in. Oh, that would be so fun. Yeah. Yeah, yeah we I would love, love that. that. Let's do that. Okay, we'll let you go because I know you got to go and I appreciate cool. your time. But thank you so much. Julia, it was yeah, a lot of fun. I'm, ha- I'm happy to volunteer the, the music. Uh, just we can be in touch about like uh, new, old, instrumental, vocals, right. not, you know what I mean? Yeah. Um, and I'd love to talk to you more about touring and, and, and music and stuff. But yeah, thank Anytime. you guys so much for talking to me and your, your sweet, your sweet <laughs> words. And it was just great. I'd love to do another, another one with you. Sounds good. Thanks so much, awesome. Julia. Thank you so much, Julia. Okay, have a good one. You too, thanks. Okay, bye. Marion walks into the bar Tight jeans and her heart out on her sleeve and she Right next to me Buys me a drink And paints a picture Of her life story She says my daddy's a jerk But I miss the cornfields And I've shot a coat But I love the good lord She says I don't care If I don't know you Cause you look like wheat And you smell like Kansas Marion walks outside the bar She's looking for the good life in the stars She's asking, why can't we just be kids again? And I grab a tiny waist and pull her in She says, my daddy's a jerk But he's a brilliant fucker And I love 
it's time to leave the bar And Marion looks gorgeous But I guess I'll call a car She says I love you But where do you belong? And I tell her Darling, I'm in between I'm in between right I don't 